Hi listeners, Scott here with a quick content warning for this episode. There are some adult themes centering around domestic violence and sexual assault in this one. If you listen with young children, or you aren't in a place emotionally where you can hear that sort of thing, then please feel encouraged to skip two short sections. The first is at approximately the 15-minute mark, and the second is at approximately the 1 hour 11 minute mark. When you hear this sound, that is an indication to skip forward one and a half minutes. With that said, please enjoy the episode. Previously on Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. From here on, we're actually going to do something new. We're going to use initiative to determine who we're going to follow first, because the party is splitting up. Um, I need to make a pit stop. Do you think we could hang by the library for a second so I can go and climb a tree? This is really the first time that she's actually come to terms with the fact that she's technically dead. And she's just sobbing. I have absolutely no idea if we can even escape. But we gotta try. We can't let the others know. Yeah. Because I don't trust those two. I guess in the meantime, we should try to eat. So we should probably find the back alley of a bar. or That sounds about right. Somewhere where degenerates hang out. Which it reminds me, maybe I should look up some of my friends. Let's go down to the green kettle. That's where all the losers hang out. I have sanjana back into my pretty form. So remember that black envelope that you took? I opened it on the way through the forest. You're given the details of a person to find and a description of a ritual. The person that you're searching for is Seymour Bavur Dewey. He is a founding partner of the law offices of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe Courts. Okay. One of the people who is sitting on the stoop stands up and says, uh, they're closed for the night, miss. Oh, I have business here after hours. I'm going to need you to come with me. He's moved aside his cloak and he is carrying a fairly mean looking curved sword. I think it would look better for you if you let your boss conduct the business that he needs to conduct without causing a scene on the street. We have appearances to keep up, do we not? If we're gonna let you in, we, we gotta come with you. No. Well, I did natural one, so he's gonna back off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I turned myself into a Goliath to try to match the stuff that is gestating inside my body. I was looking to go to some sort of wine lounge, maybe some sort of hookah lounge or something of the sort. So you're going to need to find a townsperson to give you directions, though. And it has this sign above the door, The Adventurer's Friend. Can I go closer and try to discern what type of place it is? There's a smaller sign hanging beneath The Adventurer's Friend, Pawn Shop. Hi-ho there. I was wondering where somebody this late at night could um, make a couple going. Interested in selling some? I might have come across some stuff. Would you give me a moment? I exit the shop, I go into an alley somewhere, I make sure nobody sees me, and I try to barf up as much valuable stuff that I can muster. A wine place. So if you go to the bank, you're facing the bank, you're gonna take a hard left. Sure. And you're gonna continue down until the street turns. Now there's a tree at the end of the street. If you hit that tree, you've gone too far. Just before the turn, there's this little place, it's called the Goodyear. Sounds tiresome. I am going to turn myself from a Goliath to a just a generally big and tall, broad-shouldered human 
this is a new alias I made up, Asvaldo, the human. So we're going to start with Greg and Bambi. Then we're going to have Sanjana, and then we're going to have Bent. And we'll just continue doing that until everyone is done feeding. <laughs> Welcome back to Rocks Fall, Everyone Dies. I'm Scott, he, him, and I'm the DM. Hi, I'm Tommy, he, him pronouns, and I play Lieutenant Banked Marceau. Hi, I'm DeSombra, she, her pronouns, and I play Greg. Hi, I'm Lena, she, her, and I play Sanjana. Hi, I'm Jin, they, them, and I play Bambi. Greg, it takes a couple of hours for you to wander around the city and kind of figure things out, find a place that you kind of recognize. But once you find a place that you recognize, it's a fairly simple matter of like, oh, uh, crap, I was going in the totally wrong direction. I got to go down this street and then a side street and then I'll be there. Yeah. So it'll take you a while to get there with a lost little deer following you. (laughs) And you see the sign for the green kettle. And the green kettle is flanked by two other non-pub buildings workhouses and factory stuff that's definitely closed for the evening. You've been here a couple of times before, and this place does have live music, but it's really a guy with fewer teeth than he has guitar strings plucking away at some chords while a bunch of regulars slowly dive headfirst into their cups and don't come back out. But you do know that there is a back entrance where the kitchen dumps scraps for local uh, urban wildlife. but. The area back there, it's dirty, it's windowless, and many a time you have gone back there for other reasons than dumping out trash. Oh. (laughs) Sounds like Greg. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You've probably seen and been one of the people who got high in this alley. This is going to bring back some... Mm. Perfect hunting grounds. It's around 11, 11.30 by the time you get there. You see that there is a pile of trash in the back of this windowless alley, about halfway between the entrance to this alley and the pile of trash is a side door for the green kettle. There is no one up or down the street and the lamplight does not penetrate into this alleyway. So this is where we're going. We're going to go through this alleyway and we're going to wait because this is where the junkies go, to be honest. All right. So you're on board. You're going to see some nasty stuff is what I'm really saying. All right. Uh, as long as you're there, I guess I, I, I'll, I'll be able to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if we're going to get lunch, uh, dinner, whatever. All right. So Greg just stumbles towards the alleyway. And he's a big, bulky guy. He can't really, like, hide. But he, he's kind of trying to, like, stay away from the light. And he goes back by the back entrance of the green kettle. Right. In terms of where you are, we've got the main street, then cut off into an alleyway, and then maybe 10, 15 feet door, and then maybe another 10 feet or so that ends in a dead end with a big old pile of trash. So the alleyway goes to the back. Is it like straight through or is it like 
you know, like some ways there's like an alleyway and a gate, like a fence or something, or does it go straight to the other side? So it doesn't go straight to the other side. It actually dead ends in another building that is way too close. Zoning laws are not a thing. The bar doesn't share a wall with the building behind it, but it's basically such a thin place that only children and the very small can get through there. And this is probably a silly question because we're at a medieval. <laughs> yes. Um, is there a fire escape? <laughs> No. <laughs> Darn. Safety standards hold no power here. Darn. So there's nowhere we can, like, get up to the roof, is what I'm really saying. No. Your spider climb ability didn't come in when you had vampire puberty. Darn. So this isn't the actual snout. This isn't the actual <laughs> snout, no. Uh, I, I guess there isn't really D&D <laughs> fire escapes. Um... So it's kind of just like a dead end. There's nothing around. It turns to one of the other buildings to the side. No. Is there a window? There is a cellar entrance to the next door building. You know in New York how they have those angular uh, steel diamond plate with recessed handles? That's the kind of like cellar entrance we're talking about. A trap door. Do I know what goes on in those cellars? When you were here last, it was warehouse or factory or workhouse or whatever. There is a big old padlock on it, but there's a way in there. Mm. And I know it's an empty building. Well, I think it's an empty building. You think it's an empty building. You know it's a warehouse. Is there any way I could open it? Depends on how noisy you want to be. It also depends on how good at lockpicking you are. There are a number of options available to you. This is D&D. You can do anything you want. True. I gotta look at my spells. Uh, can prestidivation? I can't even say that. Um, can that? Can that? <laughs> Leave melt it in. So prestidigitation. Yes, prestidigitation. That's what I mean. It can make something clean. It can make something dirty. It can make something smelly. It can make something taste different. It can light candles or put them out. It can light small campfires or put them out. Prestidigitation can also create a small non-magical object that is no larger than one cubic foot appear in your hand. It's basically a Swiss army knife spell. None of the tools that it provides you are useful in any martial capacity, but every tool that prestidigitation gives you can be utilized in some way. Okay, yeah, but it can't melt steel. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> Darn. They're all harmless effects. I think I know what I'm going to do. We're going to wait in the back alley for someone to come, and then I'm going to offer them drugs. Oh, boy. Okay. Um, What was the drug that I was hooked on? Gosh, I don't remember. I don't know if we actually wrote it down. Yeah, I'm just going to offer them Juice. I'm gonna give you the juice, if you know what I mean. I haven't heard it called that in years. Whatever. Do you want it or not? I got a good price for you. Was it pixie dust? I don't know. No, I I, I feel like it was something that was hallucinogenic. Uh, was it, uh, was it a mushroom? <laughs> no, it was something... It was some kind of like seaweed or something. Something like poison. Oh, yes, 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 yes. It was a poison. It was definitely a poison. It was like that sleepy poison. Oh, like laudanum. <laughs> yeah, like laudanum. Because he's like an 18th century gent. Gosh, I don't remember what the poisons were. I could look it up. Hold on. For the sake of verisimilitude, let's look this up. Yeah, it's 
not a mushroom. It's like Bambi freezes. <laughs> no, it's 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 not a mushroom. Let's do some shrooms. Bambi slowly backs away. The thing is, back in the day, I, my name was actually Lord Byron. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I went to Geneva this one time with this lady. Uh, oh, what's her name? Mary Wollstonecraft's daughter. Oh. Do you know what's her name? She wrote that damn book. You know, I, something about you reminds me of her last name. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? Oh, she wrote. It's a really good book. What was it? Frank something. Franken. Sinatra. Franken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it was. Franken Sinatra. <laughs> she was kind of talented, I suppose. Uh, her story was the best of all four. Yeah. Well. They were on Laudanum, right? I I assume. Oh no, yeah. Oh yeah, they were definitely on Laudanum. <laughs> Science fiction was born from drugs. So I'm not sure if you caught this. I am going to offer the first person who comes out the door some drugs. Nice. And then we're gonna kill him. Do you have the drugs? I don't need the drugs. I am the drugs. Essence of ether. Yes. Yeah. He was on that ether. He's on that ETH. <laughs> on that ETH. I got some E in my pocket. <laughs> Not ecstasy, the other stuff. I guess I shouldn't call it something that's an actual drug. Yes. <laughs> we need to keep our rating. <laughs> yeah. You're going to be waiting a while. You're hiding Bambi in the trash or something? What's going on? He stuffed me in his shell. Can you fit in the shell? I don't think turtle shells actually work that I, way. I, yeah, they don't, but... There's a lot of garbage stuck in the, in the shell. Reaches down, fiddles around. Yeah, garbage. like I've got like grave dirt stuck in the shell. So where's Bambi hiding? Bambi's behind him, just kind of like peeking out from behind the shell, eagerly trying to see what's going on because now she's curious. Now she's in scientist brain. This is a whole new environment. This is nothing like she's ever seen. So she's very <laughs> curious. But she's also like, this is where bad people go to kill other bad people for drugs. And so I will stay behind the big turtle man. Of course. <laughs> You're waiting a while. If you started there at 11, it, it's got to have been like half an hour. You hear carousing a little bit. You hear the telltale signs of people playing cards and laugh here and there. Another half an hour passes. Another half an hour passes. We're running out of time. Another half an hour passes. By this point, it's got to be like one something in the morning. And then you hear from inside the building, the shouting match just start. You can't really make out the words right away, but there's just angry shouting. And there's two separate voices. They're just going at each other. And then you hear a third voice is like, take it outside. The door that you're waiting next to flings open really fast. And this man and this woman come out. And they're ugly screaming match at each other. Definitely lovers quarrel, angry screaming. They're young, but they're yelling at each other and throwing things that they clearly have been together a while. They know how to push each other's buttons. They're just out in the alley and they slam the door behind them. They don't even notice you screaming at each other and shouting, paying no attention to the area around them. Some of us have probably been there. Others of us probably have seen it. Others of us have been ugh, uncomfortable about it, but we know it happens. You're always coming around when I'm working. You nag me at home. You haven't done a job in weeks, and you're here spending our money at this crappy bar. I come to this bar for peace and quiet and to get away from your nagging, but here you are, ruining that too. 
When are you going to learn to take some responsibility? We're married, Janet. You're spending every day at this bar. And when you finally come home, you're drunk and angry. Maybe I wouldn't be so angry if you'd shut your mouth. That's it. I'm done with you. Get the hell out of here. And when I get home, your stuff better be gone. Fine. I don't need you. You lousy drunk kicking me out. I'm leaving you. The girl reaches up. She grabs a pendant. She snaps it off. You can keep your cheap jewelry. You probably stole it. She throws the pendant at him, smacks him in the chest, and he quickly round and just smacks her full across the face. And she hits the other wall of the other building. And he's just mumbling to himself. He pulls open the door, runs in, and slams the door behind him. And she just slides down against the alley, and she's just sobbing, just ugly crying. Without even thinking. Awareness, zero. Everything that just happened, gone. Crying person, priority. Are you okay? So we're not gonna eat this one. All right. <laughs> so I have a question. DM, can we split up? You're welcome to split up, sure. We'll just take your initial initiative rolls um, and we'll treat you that way because you had a 17 and Bambi had a 12, so. Because I want to follow that guy inside. I made the bait too good. You're, you're good, yeah, right. I'll take care of her, you. Do what you have to do. I'll be right back. All right, Sanjana. So you're inside. You have managed to lie and persuade and intimidate your way past the two guards out front, leaving the relatively crowded evening street. By relatively crowded, it means that there's a person or three people or a group of people passing by every couple of minutes. Oh. It's not like there's a caravan of people passing in the front street. It's really more of like every few minutes, somebody walks by. Okay. So I, I'm sorry if I gave you the idea that, oh, it was really crowded. It was really more of a matter of like, there's always somebody close enough by that if some dangerous stuff went down or some really loud ruckus occurred, that there would be witnesses almost instantly. Gotcha. So it is around, let's say, 930-ish, more or less. Okay. And you're inside. There is a guard sitting at the reception desk, flipping through a leaflet of something that looks intensely boring, <laughs> looking particularly bored himself. And he looks up from his pamphlet, looks at you and your brightly orange personage, does a double take. You're not supposed to be here. You know, I had that conversation with the two gentlemen out front and uh, I reminded them that I had an appointment with, uh, you know. You know? You don't remember his name, do you? I, no, I don't. <laughs> but, <sighs> but I don't want Sanjana to say it. I, Lena, don't remember, but I also don't want Sanjana to say it. I want her to kind of give like the wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of. What card are you playing here? How are you selling this? She belongs there. That everybody knows that sometimes there are dealings that happen after hours and she's part of that crew. And it would be in their best interest to just turn a blind eye because, you know, you know. All right. Um, if that's the case, let me just go check with the boss. Uh, no need to go check with him. He's expecting me. I mean, because he did say nobody that's in tonight. Exactly. And that's the key. I am nobody. Listen, I know I've made you make this persuasion check before, but I need you to make it again because this is a new guard and the other guard didn't really like vouch for you. <laughs> so persuasion check, I guess. Okay. Oof. 
I rolled a six. Well, I rolled a seven, so guess who won? <laughs> so he's going to say, I can't let you do that. I kind of need this job, so I'm going to go and check. If you just wait right here, I'll be right back. Just wait right here. So he stands up, turns toward the stairs, calls up. Nick, I'm coming up. There's somebody down here. But you hear from above, there's a voice. Wait, nobody's supposed to be in here. Yeah, that's what I thought too. All right, we'll switch. So old guard goes up, standing halfway up the stairs. And then another guard come down. They pass each other on the stairs and they swap places. And the guard is just leaning against the stair railing, looking at you with his arms crossed. You know, all cool-like. Good evening, sir. I'm going to be late for my appointment. You know how it is. We got to make sure that the boss is okay with you being here. I mean, we, we were told no visitors tonight. You're unexpected. Ah, uh, well, then I'm highly insulted because we made this appointment weeks ago. And my time is very valuable. Your two compadres outside gave me such a hard time. And as you can see, I am a simple woman with a lot of busy things to do later. And you're holding up a sweet, simple woman. If I could just go upstairs and deliver a message and give it back to my boss, I'll be on my way. But all of this is taking longer than the entire transaction. Can we get a move on? I'm going to need you to make a perception check. Okay, okay. So many guards. Are you serious? <laughs> I rolled a four. Well, in that case, uh, you're waiting a while. Oh, boy. And then the other guard comes down and pats the guy on the shoulder, whispers to him, and roll initiative. Oh, boy. I rolled an eight. Well, you have the higher modifier, so you're going to go first. There is one guard partway up the stairs and one guard leaning against the railing. You are within striking distance. Oh, dear. It is your turn. What do you wish to do? Well, I have a question. Is transforming into hag form an action? It is an action. Think of it like the druid wild shape transformation. Unless you're like a special kind of druid, it takes your action to turn into a beast. Mm. All right, so I will just two-hand wield my daggers. Okay. And dispense with the guard that is closest to me. Okie dokie. Hopefully. Because they see you, you're not going to get sneak attack. Sorry. All right. Okay. So I rolled 21 to hit. That'll hit. How much damage? Four piercing. Well, that's not enough to kill him, but he certainly felt it. It is now his turn. He's going to retaliate. I'm going to go ahead and guess that a 13 is not enough to hit you. It is not. It is not. So he is going to draw a curved blade and come at you, but you are going to duck down pretty well just out of uh, that slice, giving it a good amount of berth overhead. The next guard is going to run down the steps, pull his weapon, and attack you as well. Does a 17 hit? It does, unfortunately. All righty. That is going to be two damage. Okay. So right now, they are almost flanking you. Okay. So, hmm. Is there any way I can move that will not invite an attack of opportunity from either one of them? 
Well, you are a rogue, but yes, there is. You can move closer to the stairs, but it will still be threatened by both. Okay. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to approach the stairs, and I'm going to attack. I have two daggers, so the one that I already hit, I'll get him with my dominant hand, and the other one, hopefully, with my bonus action, will get the other dagger. Does that make sense? Yes. So with two-weapon fighting, you don't get your stat plus damage. You only get the d4. Okay. So go ahead and roll to hit for the first guy. Oh! I rolled a seven. Not going to hit. Well, you still have your offhand. Okay. Ah, I rolled a 17. All right, that'll do. Who are you attacking? The fresh guy or the, or the stabbed guy? So this is, the, this is the fresh guy. So yeah, two. So two damage to him is not going to really phase him. That's fair. Okay. It is now their turn. They're going to move to flank. That one's going to hit, and the other guy is also going to hit. Okay. Two damage and two damage. Poop. Okay. My turn? Sorry about that. The recording got really messed up here, so let me just tell you what happened on Sanjana's turn. So she steps back, she casts Thunder Wave to push both guards back, so the guards save against the knockback and only take half damage. But Sanjana used her bonus action to disengage so that she would avoid attacks of opportunity and moved up the narrow stairway a la Princess Bride so that she would only have to deal with one at a time. So you're on the stairs and the first guy is going to move in to melee range to attack while you're on the stairs. The other guy is going to come up behind them, but they can't stand side by side on the stairwell and both attack you at the same time. So you're in a good tactically advantageous position. You have the high ground. Waha. So let's roll attack on the first guy. A 13 is not going to hit you, is it? It is not. All right, so you are safe. And the other guy cannot reach you. But because you set off a very loud thunder wave, the front door will swing open. <sighs> and the guards that you met outside are going to come in like, is everything okay? And they're going to see you fighting on the stairs. <laughs> Fun. Okay. Hey, you chose thunder wave. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have anything really quiet. All right, round five. Fight! Okay, so give me the lay of the land. How close are the two guards from outside now? The two new guards are at the front door. So they could, they could be to you in a move action if there weren't people in the way. Okay, but are they 15 feet away? They are a little more than 15 feet away. Hmm. You're partway up the stairs. It's a little more than 15 feet. Okay. I'll wait on that then, because I don't want to use all my spell slots. Hmm. Uh, okay, so I'm going to put my short sword in my, my dominant hand. Uh, no? So the way that that would work is you could drop your dagger. Drop, drop one dagger? Drop one dagger and pull the short sword. Okay. Because sheathing and then unsheathing is like a little too complicated for me to just let you have it. <laughs> That's like me when I learned my back kick in karate. 
it, there was so much setup for it. I always said that I'd have to get the guy to cooperate. But the person <laughs> I was fighting would be like, hold on a second. I'm going to back kick you, but I'm going to need you to, can I put my hand on your shoulder for a second? And I'm going to have to turn around. It was so much setup. <laughs> I was like, I'm never going to be able to use this in combat. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. I need to put this away because I'm really, really OCD about this. Okay. So I will drop the dagger in my dominant hand and take up my short sword. Thunk into the stairs. I'll get that later. See, now Sanjana's cranky. She was fine before, but now she's kind of cranky. This is still your turn at the top of round five. All right, so I'm going to attack with a short sword and then attack with a dagger. Okay. Both on the same guy, the only guy you can currently reach. Uh, yeah. Come on, baby. I rolled a 10. Not going to hit, sorry. Offhand? Why is this guy invincible? You're rolling low. Offhand. Well, there you go. I rolled a 25 <laughs> for the dagger. Since this is offhand, what's the damage roll? You're going to do 2d4. I have a 4 and a 1. So 5 damage. Yes. I have good news for you, Sanjana. Yes. They don't have a lot of HP, and you have dealt one more than they have. So that dagger comes down and gets him right above the collarbone, and he gurgles a little as you just force him down and kick him down the stairs. The other guy does a little hop and is on you for his turn. Too close for comfort. A 12 is not going to hit you, I assume. It is not. Now I'm mad. Rude. Yes, and the other two guards are rushing toward the stairs now, and they are now lined up in a neat little row right down the steps from you. Really? Yes, all the ducks in a nice little row. <laughs> I'm going to cast Burning Hands. Ah, so that would be what kind of save for them? That's a deck save. That's a no. That's a no. And that's a no. All three fail. Huh. Okay. Eleven. Fire damage. Forgive me, this is going to be loud. <laughs> All three die. So now for the fun part. You know how this building I mentioned is a nice two-story, made-of-wood building? Yep. Well, the rug at the bottom of the stairs, you know that runner? Uh-huh. That has caught on fire. <laughs> um. But all three of your enemies are dead. Let's see. Is there a way that I can roll their bodies onto it to extinguish it? You know, stop, drop, and roll a body? Sure. It's going to take you around. <laughs> okay. You can stop, drop, and roll somebody's body over the flames. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Just, I'm going to roll the bodies over. over All right. So you're going to spend a round extinguishing the flames. That is your turn for round seven. And because it is round seven, let me just check my notes. Oh, dear. Okay, so end of round seven of combat, there is a smoldering burned holes in carpets and the bubbly, singy flesh of the former guards. You have just killed four people, and you are halfway up the stairs. Okay, let's continue up the stairs. Do I suspect that anybody else besides my mark might be around? I do not want to encounter any more guards or a cleaning crew or, you know, an unfriendly puppy. Let me put it to you this way. 
that thunder wave was pretty loud. Anybody who was going to come rushing down has probably already done so. That said, anybody upstairs would have also heard you. Okay. So I'm going to continue up stealthily. Okay. Roll me a stealth check. Okay. I rolled 19 for my stealth check. You meld into the tacky carpet. (laughs) Upstairs, it seems that there are a series of cubicle-style offices partitioned off walls. Basically, it's upstairs, there's a landing, and then you turn to the left, and there's a little couch and a coffee table and the medieval equivalent of magazines. And then there's a series of doors. There are name placards on these doors. I'm going to need you to roll an investigation check in order to find the right door. Ooh, sweet. I rolled 22. So you were never going to fail this check. It was just a question of how quickly you figured it out. So you can see there's Hogwarts, there's Cheatham, there's Cheatham II, there's Dewey Jr. On the very end, corner office, is Dewey Sr. So you suspect that that is the correct door. Sounds good. I still want to open it very, very slowly, cautiously, and quietly as I can. Okay, round eight, round nine. You open the door slowly and cautiously. You are now looking inside of a nicely appointed office. It has various degrees and etchings and official notices, and the desk is piled with papers, and it doesn't seem that there is anybody in here. Okay. So I want to search the room carefully to see if I can see any hidden panels or anywhere someone could have actually left. Roll me another investigation check. Come on, be nice to me. Roll 13. So you're pressing against the wall, you're checking behind the desk, you're opening drawers, and then you look down. It seems that there is a rope tied around the leg of the desk that leads to an open window. (sighs) Seriously? Okay, I'm gonna go to the window. Unhappily. You look out the window, and all you see is a mostly empty street with some people running toward the building in the distance toward the lamplight. There is no sign of Seymour, Babu, or Dewey. The princess is in another castle. I walk out of the alley, I go left, and I walk around the corner before I pass the tree. And I go into... I think I got those directions correct. It might be completely incorrect, but I just go to the Goodyear. (laughs) So you found the Goodyear. It is not well advertised. Sure. This place is very much one of those you-just-gotta-know-about-it places. Sure. There's just a wine bottle on a sign. There's no actual written word. Sure. You assume this is the place, and when you knock on the door, a little slide thing opens up. The eyes behind it kind of look you up and down, Mm. and then the door opens. Sure. Welcome to the good year, sir. I nod politely in his direction. I don't say anything, and I walk inside. As soon as you're there, real like cigar bar, smoky room type feel. Lots of red velvet and dark woods. Perfect. And there's this smell of just lots and lots of smoke. And uh, 
just I'm coughing thinking yeah, about I it. Know. I really can't stand places like that. <laughs> I love how baked it's be perfect, but for you and I, it sounds so horrible. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. There's tables, and as one might expect at a place with all this, there are men in coats and and leggings that are walking around with trays and. Uh, Shoot, how is it that, uh, what was that word for a wine connoisseur? Not a wine connoisseur, a, a person who knows wines. Uh, I should have done my research. <laughs> That's okay. A sommelier. Oh, I actually, I've heard that word before. They're carrying the cloth over their arm and they have like the belt full of the fancy wine tools and they're carrying the saber in case somebody orders champagne and they want to do the sabering thing. You see a bunch of coat and tail, fancily clad with breeches and leggings and whatnot, carrying bottles of wine around, stopping by tables every now and then, putting down the glasses, holding out the wine, letting them inspect the label, waiting for that, like, oh, very good choice, sir. And somebody else is walking around with these wooden boxes that when they open them up, you could see like these tube shapes of sausage-sized cigars. Sure. Like spicy Italian cigars? Spicy Italian cigars, yes. Um, they, <laughs> they're Italian blend cigars. Sure. Are they like sweet, spicy? They're like sweet. There's, they're sweet. They're spicy. There's, uh, there's, there's, there's low fat. I think it would go really well with some bell peppers, yeah. <laughs> you are encouraged to find a table. Sure. Uh, I do so. I find a small table. And I try to find a table near a group of people sitting down. Right. So that way I can overhear stuff. Banked is looking for a distraction from this horrible nightmare he's living back to high class. That's what's going on. The conversation that you're hearing reminds you a lot of home. You're overhearing conversation about the prices of, of this commodity in this area and my ship came in at the port the other day and we've been unloading all these goods. And so this is a good month for me. We should be able to turn a profit by the end of this quarter and business talk. So the people behind you are discussing mercantile stuff. And there's other people around the others that are wearing powdered wigs and they have like ink stains on their hands. There's not a callus to be seen anywhere in this place. The only dirty hands here are ink and the indentation of quills. Sure. These are soft, lily-white hands that have never seen the sun, my good sir. I love that and hate that at the same time somehow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's people who are discussing, like, marginal tax rates and uh, right. other, like, hoity-toity rich stuff. Blah, 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 blah. Stuff that I actually have no idea what those conversations sound like because I have never been part of them. <laughs> okay. Uh, is there anyone who is not talking about stocks and bonds business, but, like... Make a perception check. Oh, that's so low. It's an 11. You know what? You think that the people catty corner to you at the table over there are discussing, it doesn't sound like business, at least no business you've ever heard of. Sure. All right. I'll keep them in my mind's eye. And I wave a sommelier over to my table. Would you like a menu? Um, yes, sir, please. I, I really am new to this town, yes. Um, some older friends from a book club of mine used to come here often, and I really was quite excited to see what selection you have. 
my good sir. Of course. There is a folded, leather-backed, nice-looking menu, and he opens it up for you and places it in front of you, with one hand gesturing and the other hand holding it up. In case you're unfamiliar, we have a fine selection of whites. We have a number of reds. We also have some mixed blends. I will not be ordering rosé today. I am terribly sorry to disappoint you. I am looking for uh, something a little bit more aged for a friend of mine. He really isn't quite a friend. I'm sure you understand. Of course. He said red. I mean, how simplistic can you be on that? Do you have any darker elderberry? He looks down at the menu. This was a decent year. Sure. This year probably matches the caliber of your friend. (laughs) I stopped laughing. And these are our best years down toward the bottom. Hmm. While I do appreciate a sommelier showing me the best year, do you have any good year? (laughs) I see what you did there, sir. Excellent choice, sir. (laughs) Uh, What is your name, good sir? Generic waiter NPC one. It's a family name. Okay. Yes, thank you. May I simply call you one, my good sir? If it pleases you, sir. One, I would like to order uh, some good here of your finest elderberry. May I please? Of course. Would you like to sample a bottle first? I would like to sample. I mean, do you have any bottles already opened? I'll bring you a glass, sir. He pops the menu closed, tucks it under his arm, and quick walks away, and you're left in the smoky room. Have you ever seen Sweet Charity before? I have not, actually. Oh, man. After you, after you, okay. Everybody listening to this, you guys need to watch Sweet Charity. There's a part where all of these waiters affix themselves to a point where they look inhuman. It's very fossy, and that's literally what I'm thinking of. I'm sorry, continue. <laughs> so, Banked, your wine has arrived. I believe it's Asvaldo, please. Oh, I'm sorry, Asvaldo. Your wine has arrived, brings you a glass on a platter plate thing, and he holds it there and holds out the spittoon thing for you. I say notes before I go to take a sip. Come on, Scott, give me notes. I don't know this language. (laughs) It is a aged elderberry wine, 10 years old. Yes, so I can read. There are notes of sulfur. No, that's not good, is it? I don't oh, know what's good. I would say. I don't know what's good. It's, it's oaky. It's very, it, it has it's a blueberry. <laughs> so there's some cinnamon, maybe some star anise. Uh, if you go more. As somebody into- who like really does not like the taste of alcohol at all, I'm just going to say it tastes like crap. It's really bad wine. But oh. then again, it's really bad. But it like it sounds good because they say like things of like notes of oak aged in green <laughs> barrels and there's a uh, there's there's notes of dead skunk. I don't, I don't know what good wine is supposed to have notes of. I don't know. Hold on, we're gonna leave all of this in. I am googling what good wine notes are supposed to be. <laughs> Good wine notes. Oh, man. Okay. Primary aromas. Aromas from the type of grape and the terroir. (laughs) Yeah. Primary aromas focus on fruit, herbal, and floral aromas. Okay. So we're going to say this is a fruit aroma, a fruity aroma. 
I would say a blueberry one. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's elderberry. It makes sense. Yes. Secondary include, aromas include, but are not limited, notes such as freshly baked bread and lager from yeast, as well as sour cream and yogurt from malolactic fermentation. All right. So we're going to go with... Um, say this with, is a sour blueberry wine. Yes. <laughs> so notes of sourdough bread. Sure. Tertiary aromas. These are aromas from aging in oak or the bottle. Tertiary aromas include clove, vanilla, baking spices, roasted nuts, dill, coconut, and smoke, as well as a general shift in the fruit character from fresh to dried. Um, I love how you almost sound angry about this. <laughs> I am angry about this. God damn it, this is more than I wanted to learn about wine ever. Um, watch watch us end up getting sponsored by some wine company at some point. I know, right? There's this company that sends you a wine subscription every month. Yeah. Kind of cool. I've heard them advertised on other podcasts from a long time ago. I don't know if they're still around. If they are, hit us up. We have we need sponsors. Um, <laughs> and you'll get more of this. No, oh, man. I'm joking. I promise I'll learn more. And if you do sponsor, Banked himself will advertise your wine. So ah, that's a yeah. plus. That is a plus. Right. We are leaving all of this in. Oh yeah, absolutely. We're eating up the the uh, the role play time with just being angry about wines. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, isn't that half of the wine world though? Yeah, it's, it's also half of D and D. That's true. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wait. Okay. So um, let's go with uh, some tertiary notes of. Vanilla and smoke, although the smoke aroma might be from the surroundings more than from the wine itself. Sure, the the peat that maybe they they buried it with. No, I'm thinking of whiskey, actually. Never yeah. mind. And let's say that the wine is sweet, but sort of uh, tart acidic. sweet. Acidic, yeah. Yeah, an acidic sweet. Yeah, it's full-bodied but dry. Right. Do you do the thing where you swirl the wine glass and see the legs? Uh, <laughs> I do, I do. I, I swirl it, I swirl it. I'm going to take a small sip. And for those people, those people who can listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna swish it around in my mouth and then go, I am pleased. How much would a bottle cost me? That would be 10 gold. But if you enjoy the vintage, we have a much better year for 20. Mm. And so I shall purchase this. I'm sorry, what was the year? 10 years old. Sure. That's all I remember from my original description. Yeah, yeah, I kind of don't remember. It's a ten. Original. It's a ten-year-old wine. Okay, cool. They have a twelve-year-old. That's a much better year, and it's got some fancy hoity-toity name like Chateau Neuf de Pip or whatever. Ooh, <laughs> Neuf de <Pip>. Interesting. <laughs> I'm uh, sorry to anyone who enjoys wine. I really don't. All right, uh, one. I shall. I shall purchase Neuf de Pip. Wait, no, sorry. Hold on. It's Sniff de Pip. Sniff de Pip. Right, indeed. <laughs> Should I? Don't imagine I should do this here now. Do you have a separate parlor for me to go over to and purchase? Or should I stay here with my glass and then go over there? Please, sir, enjoy your glass. We will have the bottles ready for you when you are ready to make your departure. Thank you. Can you please be specific, though, what years you wish to have? For for the bottle? Yes. Do you wish for the ten-year-old for ten dollars for ten gold? I almost said dollars. I know. Imagine, yeah. Yeah, for 10 bucks, 10 buck chuck. Oh, um, <laughs> uh, you want some wine for 10 bucks? Greg, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing here? No. Um, <laughs> it's like blueberries and acid. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> Tastes like licking a battery. <laughs> um, you ever lick a battery and then bite a blueberry? That's what this tastes like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, boy. So your glass is going to cost you two silver. Are you getting one bottle? Or, or how many bottles are you getting? I'm just getting one because I don't need a bottle. So do you want the 10 or the 20? 10 gold. Considering that there is money floating around inside of you. Yeah. So I'm going to go and reach inside my coat pocket. And I'm going to put my fingers past the point of cloth that he can't see what's going on. And I'm just going to reach inside my body and pull out 10 gold. I'm just imagining you put your hand there and it fuses with your chest. <laughs> a current forms inside of your goo that pushes the coins toward. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it'd be really cool if I got to the point where I could push the coins inside up my arm and then just like a magic trick make up here in my hands. You could do that. You're not fast at it yet. Sure. I Get some more experience. The next time that we meet up, I'm going to keep on trying to perfect that. Okay. Because <laughs> I want to show Sanjana a really cool trick. <laughs> so you're pushing this material toward your front coat pocket, quote unquote. Yeah. It's two silvers for the glass and it's going to be 10 gold for the bottle. Okay. You have currently 17 gold plus one copper. So I'm going to pay him two silver. Was it two silver? You don't have silver. You have gold. Oh, yes. I say, one. I'm sure you can imagine I don't often carry silver on me. Is there any way that you can split a gold? Of course, sir. We also offer other amenities here besides wine. Would you like to take a look at our cigar menu? Instead of cigars, do you have any, um, oh, what's that exotic word? Uh, tapas? You're a monster, and I don't just mean you pile of goo and bones. You, you, oh, Tommy, you. are a monster. Thank you, thank you, thank you, everyone. I will accept this award. I'm sure I don't understand, sir. I'm sure you don't. They're like small dishes of food. Something you would serve in the parlor. Perhaps a charcuterie? We do have a charcuterie and a cheese plate. And if you wish, we can do both at the same time. I shall order a charcuterie. I think it's pronounced charcuterie. Okay. Well, Banked will say charcuterie. You see that little lifted eyebrow of, are you sure you belong here? I say, excuse me, common is not my first language. Ah, very good, sir. So you're looking along the lines of, you know what, let's call it comfortable. And that is your eight silver pieces. Okay, sure. I'll do so. Because this is not like a fancy, super wealthy meal of like roast meats and what have you. This is a small plate of smoked meats and various cheeses in pairings. So he's going to disappear and bring you a plate, leaving you with your glass of wine. Banked, I'm going to ask you this question. Sure. You haven't had wine since you became a puddle, have you? Absolutely correct. Perfect. I'm going to need you to make a charisma saving throw. Unfortunately, this episode of Rocks Fall Everyone Dies is not brought to you by a wine sponsor. But if you have a project or a business that you'd like to promote on our show, please reach out to us at rfedpod at gmail.com. If you don't have a product or a business, but you want to help us anyway, you can share our show with your friends or leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your podcast app of choice. 
that will really help us grow and reach more people. You can also like, share, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can take part in polls and ask questions if you'd like us to answer those questions on future Wine and Spirits episodes. You can find all of our handles in one convenient place by visiting our website, rfedpod.com. And now back to the show. So, Greg, you open that door. The door is unlocked, slightly ajar, but you've seen this door get thrown open and closed like this a bunch of times in the past, so you know this door can take that kind of beating. You are on the side entrance of the bar, next door to the kitchen, a little further in, the little swinging thing for the bar, and then beyond that, the tables and the stage where you have performed a couple of times. There's about four other people besides the the dude in here. Mm-hmm. And they all look like the usual crew of blue collar working class, like people who either work in a factory or work in a, or as a farm hand, fairly rough calloused hand type people, mm-hmm. your typical dive bar regulars. Right. The people who have been coming here since it was kind of nice. It was nice. Not in your time. Okay. True. These are definitely, yeah. And there's, and then of course, there's also people here who have been coming here because this was my daddy's bar. Yeah. What other bar would I go to? I mean, when they changed owners, they lost a lot of patrons, but they gained some new ones and then it kind of slid again. We've all been to that bar. I, yes, absolutely. There's many of them. 100%. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Greg's going to walk in. He's not going to sit directly next to the guy but he's going to sit very close and he is going to order an ale i don't know is that something in the D universe i'm assuming let's get drunk all right uh, so do you have any money uh i don't but i don't need it because i'm going to barter okay and it doesn't matter because i'm going to distort the value of what i have and the bartender is going to listen to me uh, I'm going to cast Distort Value on the grave dirt I have. Not all of it, just a little bit of it. And I'm going to be like, so bartender, I don't got no coin right now, but I got this gold. It's a little bit of gold dust. How do you say? Oh my goodness. What is the check? Is this wisdom? Is this intelligence? Is this... It says intelligence investigation check. Okay. Well, in that case, what's the DC? It's 14. So the bartender looks at your hand, looks at you, looks at your hand, looks at you, reaches down, picks up some of the dirt in your hand. You know this is dirt, right? Puts it back down. Well, at least he's not being mean about it. <laughs> How much is an actual ale? Ale is four coppers for a mug and two silver for a gallon. Yeah, so the thing is, is that Greg is a cheapskate, and he's really sad that he has to give you, what is it, a tenth of a gold coin? (laughs) Do you want a gallon, or do you just want a mug? I'll just take a mug. How much is it, though? That'll be four copper. Jesus Christ. So expensive, but fine, fine, fine. Used to be so much cheaper. 
And then I turn around to the other guy. Right, well, isn't this criminal, the prices? He's sitting at a table, you're sitting at the bar. And he just kind of turns around and is like, sure, whatever. And he turns around and he just kind of like looks at his friends and he's like, Wait, he has friends? There's four other people at the bar and they're all with him? Two of them are with him and one is, Damn. yeah. I should have asked that yeah, question. There's the bartender, two of his friends, and one person over on the stage. Ah, okay. So, mm, you know what? I'll buy you all around. I saw you had a tough time out there with that dumb broad. You know what? Thanks, man. You know, it's, it's, really, it's really hard on us, you know? It's hard on us. You know, they, they, they don't understand. They never understand. And now he's like getting like a little too into it. He's like, you know what? She's been nagging me for years. I'm not sad she's gone. The heck with her. And his two friends are just kind of like, yeah, yeah. You, you tell them. You, yeah. And they're five cups in for sure. Yeah. You know what? Make that two rounds. Give him two rounds. All right. So. Um, he hisses because he's losing money and he doesn't like it. To those, to the three or to everybody in the bar? No, just to his friends. Okay, so that's three. Hold on. Math. Math! Um, so let's see. Four coppers. For yourself as well? I'll take the one. Okay. So. I'm giving them two more, but I'll take one for myself. So that's going to be six, seven, seven. Seven times four is 28. So that'll be um, 28 copper, two silvers, eight. Greg puffs. He pulls out his, the fancy purse. He keeps his gold in the fancy purse. The little one, the more expensive one. And then he pulls out, how much is that in gold? I don't know. It's 28 hundredths of a gold. You basically are going to have to make change. So he's going to pull out a gold piece, but he's like really sad about it. So he pulls out, because he doesn't have any change. He's got the 50, that's it. So the bartender goes over and he opens up the till. He goes and he pulls out. Seven silver and two copper. There you go. And he gives you 72 cents back. All right. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to new beginnings without those stupid broads. What are you guys up to today? You should celebrate. I know a good way to celebrate. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Because they have two more coming. They knock back the one they have and then they sit down with the first one and then they knock the first one back and then they sit there with the second one and they're like, yeah. Yeah, totally. We should celebrate. Absolutely. What are, what are we celebrating again? His new life. His new life without that dumb broad. He is going to be something. What's your name? I don't even know your name. I'm sorry. Generic townsperson NBC number one. It's a family name. You can call me Gene. Oh, Gene. Listen, Gene. Listen. They're holding you back. You what? What is your dreams? What do you want? Uh, uh, I mean, I'd like to be rich. I want to be rich. I'm going to be rich. Yeah, but how are you going to get there? You got to have a plan. Life finds a way, and he puts his finger against your your chest shell. Life finds a way. Just tapping on you, and you you you're all right. Greg is not happy, but keeps going. You're all right, man. You're all, you're all you right. You too. You're, you're great. You're great. You're going to be somebody. <laughs> listen, listen, buddy. I know a great way to celebrate. He leans in like real close. 
And his friends are burying their mouth like a horse at a feed bag into the second mug that you bought for them. Now, first of all, do you know who I am? You probably don't. Have you ever heard of Half Shell? Uh, I think... I think my grandpa talked about it once. Your grandpa, of course. Mm. And what'd your grandpa say? Uh, I... I think he told me that he, he liked the, the song about the... Uh, the thing with the, um, how, right. you know, the, about the, uh, the, the nose, the song about life on the nose. The snout. It's the snout. It's not the right. nose. Yeah. Whatever. Grandpa Gene. Gra- yeah. Well, Grandpa Gene, listen, that's me. I made it. Your life on the snout? I'm, yeah, I wrote that song. You, you, and he like pushes a little too hard on your shell chest. You know how, like when you tap too hard and your nail gets bent? It's like, ah, uh, yeah. Oh my God, man. Grandpa loved you. You were freaking awesome. Oh. Yeah, and you know, the thing is, I would not have been where I was if I had given in to going out with broads. Do you know anything about turtles? Um, I don't know what that is. Okay, well, I'm a turtle. Oh! Surprise! I'm not a human being. Oh! Or whatever the hell you are. I'm, I'm a generic humanoid. No. <laughs> okay, generic humanoid, dude. Gene, listen. Turtles, if they mate, they die. A year later, they die. They just die. But I knew I wanted something else. Yeah, women are that way, man. As soon as you, as soon as you have them, you, as soon as you settle down, you're dead. Right. You're like totally dead, man. You need to party. You need to party a lot. You need something extra to get you there. You know when I wrote that song, that song that your grandpa Gene remembered. Yeah, it was, uh, life on the snow, YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! It was terrible. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it was genius, genius song. You're you a genius, genius, man. Like You're a genius. And he takes another big, heavy swig. Yeah, keep drinking. Yeah. What people don't know is I was on doubly Dub- the entire time. Okay. Um. Okay. You you want to be someone? Uh huh. He does that little shake of his mug and looks in it. And he turns it over and it's empty. I know where I can get you some. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is a special night. Yeah. You ought to come with me. This is, this is a special night. It is. Yeah. It is. It's a special night. Let's. Why don't you go finish your drinks? Let's finish our drinks. Let's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll. I'll show you where to get some. I'll show you. I'll I'll take you under my wing. I'll show you how to be great. Uh, okay. You have wings now? Sure. Whatever that means. Mm. All right. Okay. Bartender, close my tab. You, you don't, don't, you don't have, have a tab. A tab. You, you paid in cash. Well, we're going to leave soon. You You do that, buddy. All right, all right. I gotta go talk to one of my friends. But Gene, why don't you come with me? 
And your buddies, listen, you know what? Actually, bring them another drink. That'll be a copper. Oh, they got it this time. Gene, you come with me. You come with me. I'll show you. I'll show you how to be great. So I put my arm around Gene, and I'm just like, yeah, Gene. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, in like an old person sort of way. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and he leads him towards the front door. The front door. Okay. The front, not the back door, because then he knows what's going on. So, Sanjana, you are in an empty office with a rope hanging down the window, and you are looking out the open window, and you see little spots of lamplight with people moving through them in the distance. What is your plan? Uh, Okay, let's see. I'm still in Sanjana form, so I don't look too scary. Mm -hmm. I am going to... If I were to go out the window the same way I suspect someone just left, would that be highly noticeable? This is sort of a front corner office. It would be kind of noticeable because you're facing the street. Okay. So I'm going to actually go through the building, leave the office. Um, Actually, before I leave the office, I just want to do another sweep of the office and see if I can um, find any addresses or anything like that to find out where this guy lives. Sure. Do you want to roll a new investigation check? Uh, sure. Please do. Okay, I rolled a 15 this time. All right. You find some personal correspondence. A quick look over. It shows his home address and his children's home addresses. There are enough papers here that you can find like a couple of different places that he could have gone. Okay, I'm going to take all of that. If I can't find him, I can find his family and then you find him. Okay, add it to your sheet. I'm going to find you, Seymour. Okay. I want to walk through the building, seeing if there's maybe a back exit, just because I think that the uh, Thunder Wave might have attracted a lot of attention. I don't want to be associated with anything that they might find in this building. A quick check of everything downstairs. You find a break room and a couple more offices and, you know, little cubicles for paralegals and stuff. Uh Uh-huh. And there's the front waiting desk, but there's no back door, per se. There's one door to enter and exit. Hmm. As you step gingerly over the four corpses you've left. Can I search the bodies for keys to the building? One of them's got a ring of keys, sure. But as to what they are specifically for, you don't know. That's okay. I just like shiny things. How's their uh, equipment looking? So they are all wielding sharp curved swords and wearing leather armor. Other than that, that's really all they've got. Oh. And those sharps are, of course, the, this, the sharp curved swords are the equivalent of the stat block of a scimitar. Mm. Let's see if that's any better than what I have. I have a short sword. Would that be better? It's about the same. Is their armor better than mine? Nope. Same as yours, if I remember correctly. No gold, no silver? I mean, would you show up to a job with money on your person? I don't know. You really want to rifle through their pockets looking for change? You can do that. Why don't you roll me another investigation check, and I will let that determine whether or not I give you money. (laughs) I mean, I am a rogue. Indeed. Fourteen. A couple coppers. Okay. 
You know, like eight coppers between the four of them. Enough for lunch. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. Well, then I will try to leave as discreetly as possible. Let's see. Do I really want to burn another spell slot on something like this? Hmm. Okay, my intention is to exit the building looking slightly frazzled, but as soon as I can, if there's a fray of people outside, to somehow meld into the crowd and look just as interested as they are as I slowly walk away. So first I'm a, oh my goodness, I can't believe what happened. Oh, wow. Ooh, what happened there? And then just leave. So that's going to be a performance check then. Okay. And since you're exiting from the building, and it's been a minute or so, so let's go ahead and say that you have disadvantage on this check because there's probably already people there. Okay, so I'll have to roll twice? Yes, and take the lower number. Okay. Ha <laughs> ha! I rolled a 17 and a 14, so it's 14. You successfully meld into the crowd. <laughs> the crowd of like seven or eight people and some armored city guards coming in. Make way, make way. One of the guards just pushes you aside and moves into the building. And as soon as he gets in there, he like puts his hand over his mouth. And he's like, oh my God, who could have done such a horrible thing? Guards, de de detain these people. I want statements for everybody. And you're already gone. <laughs> and Sanjana just brushes off her shoulders and says, well, can't win them all, but uh, I still got it. Bambi. Howdy. She's crying. She's crying hard. Mascara lines down the cheeks if mascara had been invented in this timeline. Hard. Ugly cry. Full, deep, gulping, ugly sobs. She gets a little bit closer and gets on one knee. She's not gonna she's not close enough to touch just yet. Since you're in a close proximity, you can feel everything. You feel the shape, the outline of her in reality. You see her, but you also see and feel what's behind her and what's underneath her. And she feels a little extra warm. And that spot on her cheek where she got slapped is even warmer. And it's gotten a little bit more swollen in the time since you've been here. And she's got a little bit of snot coming out of one nose. And you can even feel the difference of the moisture on the cheek versus her nostril. Wow. <laughs> That's what blind sense does for you. She's going to kneel close and just kind of whisper, Honey, I saw what happened. Are you okay? <laughs> He's a deadbeat. Why did I marry him? Sometimes that's what love does. It makes you blind. Love. It was so great at the beginning. And then he started drinking and it just got worse. Then he lost his job. And who am I even telling you this? Who are you? I'm just a friend, darling. You tell me anything you need to. I ain't gonna get out. And she proceeds to tell you the entire, long, all-too-common cycle of, it started out great. 
he was really nice at first. And then he had a rough patch and they argued a lot and things got kind of heated, but afterwards they would make up and it would be really great for a while. And then, and then he got upset and he would yell and scream and then he'd just storm off to the bar and he'd come back and he'd be super drunk. Then the fighting would begin again. And then eventually it escalated from just fighting and the periods of good times in between just got shorter and the periods of nastiness got longer and he got drunker and he lost his job and he got madder and madder and angrier and worse. And the whole time he was hitting her and he was mistreating her. And a couple of times he forced himself on her and those little honeymoon phases, they got shorter. And she just got so fed up tonight that she just stormed over to the bar and she was going to confront him. She was going to bring him home. She was going to get him all cleaned up and get him sober and find him a job. And she was going to fix him. Everything was going to be great. But as soon as she got into the bar, he just got so angry and they started fighting and then they got sent outside and well, you know, the rest. And this entire conversation, it's not even a conversation. Anytime that you even whisper of like, oh, it's okay, honey. It's like, she doesn't even notice. She just keeps going. Deep, long sobs, tears streaming down her face, snot running down from her nose into her mouth. Just ugly cries. You're not even there anymore. She doesn't even know or care what you look like or who you are. She's just unburdening herself. As she's doing that, Bambi has an herbalism kit on her okay. because that's one of the things that's in the pack. So she's going to open it up and find a vial of something that smells kind of like lavender, put a little bit in her hand and crush it. Mm -hmm. And while she's talking, she just kind of like covertly sprinkles it in her lap to get the smell going mm -hmm. just to uh, help with the calming afterwards. After it all gets dumped out, when she starts to actually breathe again. So... Because this is D&D, &D, mm -hmm. let's see how well your persuasion of her to calm down is. Thirteen. She notices the smell, and she just kind of goes, it smells really nice. And she does not calm down at all. Okay. And she just kind of grabs a hold of you and sticks her face into your rapidly decaying clothing and lets it all out. At a certain point, she goes into those little, like, hiccupy sobs. Mm -hmm. You smell really bad. I know, darling. I Something happened. It's, it's a long story. You don't want to hear it. Bambi. I want you to make a wisdom save. Oh, not right now. Not right now. Oh, darling, not right now. <laughs> 26. Nice. He doesn't get me tonight. Well, okay. You maintain your composure and you do not fall asleep. Although emotions are running really high right now. You feel that insistent tug of sleepiness you just sort of like steal yourself and sort of a not now. Eventually the, the tugging becomes less persistent and um, yellow green. And you get that sensation of a firm handshake. You are chest full of crying woman. Make a perception check for me. Actually, perception or medicine? Which one's higher for you? Uh, definitely medicine. Then roll medicine. 
Roll it with advantage because of your blind sense. I cannot spell. Medicine is not spelled with a three. Mithredison. Nineteen. As she gets her face all up in your business, and she's really close to all of your spores, you can feel every part of her. You can feel the tears streaming down her face. You can feel the pulsing of the veins in her neck. You can feel the beat of her heart in her chest. And you can feel a faster beat in her abdomen. I'm going to need you to make a charisma saving throw. I rolled a 17. Very good, sir. <laughs> I die instantly. <laughs> You're drinking your glass relatively slowly, and eventually you finish the glass. And then you start to notice, hmm, you feel less viscous, looser. The volume that you consumed of wine was not that much, but you feel your structural integrity start to stretch. Do I know if it is because I consumed liquid or if I consumed alcohol? You've consumed liquid before. This is not like when you've been in water or drank water or the precious bodily fluids of a small critter that you consumed whole dissolve slowly into your personage. It's not that. You can actually feel like you've been degreased. That is disgusting and exciting at the same time. You feel none of the effects that alcohol would normally make you feel as a living corporeal body, but your being is becoming more amorphous. It's becoming, no, it's becoming more drippy. Am I officially drippy yet? No. Because you made your save, you are able to will your drippiness back into its appropriate shape, but you feel if you stop having your concentration on this process, you may start to sag. I am going to, how much wine have I had? One glass. Oh, I finished the glass. Yes. Okay, cool. It took a while for it to diffuse for you to feel the effects. Sure. About how long for future reference? Maybe 15, 20 minutes. Okay, that's fine. I, have I already purchased the bottle? No, I oh, finished, yeah. I have. Uh, I thought you gave him all the money. Yes, I did give him all the money, didn't I? Okay. So then you purchased it. Cool. So I have six gold left and I have one copper. I finish the charcuterie. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't do that. I'm going to walk over to the table of people who were talking, and I'm going to say, Floyd? Floyd, is that, is that you? Oh, my goodness, it's so long since I've seen... Um, I'm sorry, please excuse me. You look... Rather familiar to me, the coat you were wearing. Oh yeah, definitely this is a deception check. I have no idea what you're trying to accomplish here, but this is definitely a deception check. I just want to talk to somebody. <laughs> I'm at a 19. 19 on a deception check. <laughs> Accidentally starting a conversation. My name isn't Floyd, but it's nice to always meet a new friendly face. 
Indeed. I'm sorry if I offended you by mistaking you with somebody else. One of the other men at the table looks at you. He's like, it's all right. He has one of those faces. Yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, my name is Osvaldo. I'm new to the business district here. I am part of a mercantile business group. It's interesting to go from city to city and meeting new people. You're a representative of a mercantile group? Yes. Yes, indeed. Pray tell, what do you mostly traffic in? Art. Artifacts reclaimed by adventurers oh. that are brought over to my homeland, Quillity, Hazelside. I'm sure you've heard of it. They perk up at the sound of this, like, oh, Quillity. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My, oh, my sister owns a timeshare there. And I actually take these artifacts and I go from city to city and make sure that they stay with the people that order them. I see. I'm not 100% certain that I catch your full meeting, but... I myself happen to know several antiquities dealers might be useful for us to exchange business information. Please, please have a seat. Have a seat. Oh, thank you so much. Oh, wow. The hospitality of, of, a, of a new city is, is quite a refreshing breath of, of air. Thank you. I'm sorry. Right. I, I'm, I'm Asvalto. You are? Uh, this is uh, Nicholas. He deals mainly in ores and... Uh, I forget... Uh, Mining concerns. Ah, yes. Ores and mining concerns. That's Nicholas. That's Philip. He deals mostly in the supply chain of large farming equipment, livestock, things of that nature, to agrarian concerns, uh, communal places, communes as we call them. They tend to like to order and buy in bulk. And uh, my name is Charles. And I deal mainly as a intermediary. Intermediary between? Between others who do business in this area. Intermediary, I, I assume you mean in the legal sense, between bonds and whatnot. Is that what you yes. mean? Yes, yes, I'm an underwriter. I see, underwriter. I also have a certification as a notary. Don't we all? <laughs> <laughs> and they all laugh, and that sort of posh. It's <laughs> <laughs> actually really funny, because they all probably do have a notification yeah. of being a notary. They probably are all notaries. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I truly, I am new to town. I, I've already done my deal. I'm here for a couple more days. Uh, is there anything do you think that I could come across? In the art world? Hmm. Hmm. I would have to get back to you on that. At the moment, I do have my business card. And you can call upon me at any time during regular business hours. Or, of course, I spend few nights a week here. If you become a regular, then we can always do business here. After all, that's what we were discussing. Interesting. Interesting. I hope you all know that I actually, more than just a fair-skinned hand myself, I personally make sure that items are put correctly in their place from bandits or any other less savory people who try to take them from people who deserve them. If there is anything physically you wish to implore of me, I would be happy to supply you with my abilities. Whatever reaction you were expecting from slightly noting that you physically deal with these things and you get your hands dirty, the reaction is not positive. They immediately kind of scowl. The movement of antiquities and arts should be more refined of a business, would you say? Actually, the three of us here, we, we were about to leave. How about I leave you my card? Sure. And we can continue discussing business opportunities the next day. 
Can I make an inside check to see if he shut me down? Sure. Or if he is sincere. He is definitely holding out a business card to you. Okay. But, I mean, even with that. Right. Ugh. So, uh, I rolled a 12. He's off-put by your suggestion of physical force. They don't want to be around that. They consider themselves above that. Sure. But you can't really get that much more. You know exactly when their mood sour, and it was when you mentioned the idea of physically doing things. All right. Um, I, I thank you, um, Nicholas Philip Charles. It's, it was it was a pleasure to meet you all. Um, I shall be taking my leave then. Of course. And he holds out the business card to you. I I don't take it, and I say I'm sure I'll be able to find you. They look at each other. Yes, lovely meeting you. Lovely meeting you, uh, Osvaldo. Was it? Yes, uh, Osvaldo. Wonderful um, to meet you. Uh, we we'll we'll be taking our leave. Thank you. And they all slide out of their booth and they head toward the door. One of them settles up. They just quickly move out the door. Okay, that sucks because I was going to use minor illusion before that, but that's okay. Okay, so uh, listen, you made a choice. <laughs> you didn't know how they'd react. Before I leave, I'm going to walk over to the near D. And I will say, those men, they had a certain informalness about them. I wonder, do they come in often? I, I'm sorry you have to trouble yourselves with them. It's no trouble. No trouble at all. They're regular paying patrons. We are always happy to have their business. I see Miss Charles quite frequently, less so with Mr. Nicholas and Mr. Philip. However, we do see them regularly. Thank you. He sort of holds out a hand because he gave you information. Um. <laughs> Underhand, palm up, if that will be all. I will use Minor Illusion to chuck a gold into his palm, and I'll walk out before he realizes it's an illusion. He does not realize that it's an illusion at first. (laughs) (laughs) And he, like, pockets it. It'll disappear in one minute, and he will wonder where he dropped it. (laughs) So as you're returning to your seat, there is an opening of the door, and a gray white-haired human, well-dressed, Black garb with white accents. Walks in. Ah, yes. Mr. Gillette. It's wonderful to see you again, sir. With your regular table? Thank you, garçon. Always a pleasure to spend the evening here. And the Major D walks past you. With a very recognizable human gentleman. Thank you for listening to Rock's Fall, Everyone Dies. It would really help us if you subscribed, shared, and left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Our theme music is by Taylor Calise, and our thumbnail art is by John Bliss. You can find more of his work on Twitter at John Blissart, that's at J-O-N-B-L-I-S-S-A-R-T. Our episodes are produced by me and co-edited by our resident Mushroom Jin. Our social media manager is our favorite Surly Turtle to Sombra. Find more about our various social medias by visiting our website, rfedpod.com.